Welcome to Escape Routes with Condé Nast Traveller. My name is Melinda Stevens, the Editor-in-Chief of Condé Nast Traveller US and Condé Nast Traveller UK, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to our podcast series. Travel is all about storytelling, a story of a place, of its people, of a journey, and at Condé Nast Traveller we've always celebrated the most transportative, evocative travel writing. With much of the world currently grounded, we've come together to take you to some of our favourite places, if only in your imagination, by listening to our most loved travel stories read aloud by the writers who penned them. We hope these short escape routes allow you to daydream of far-flung adventures, discover the world's curious corners or recast familiar destinations in a fresh light, and that you love these travel stories as much as I do. My name is Melinda Stevens, and I will be reading my piece on the Rockies in America, which featured in the September 2014 issue of Condé Nast Traveller. I hope you enjoy it. We heard the RV before we saw it. There was a kind of heightening screech, the sound of the chassis hitting the deck, two further heavy thuds, the traction of the tyres on the road and a crescendoing roar as it spun around the corner and into our vision. It crossed our path, listing first left and then right and bounced to a rough and jagged halt before the cabin door flew open, whacking the side of the van and my husband leapt out, storming towards us. I'm done, he yelled at his eager waiting committee as he marched straight past. The two little ones and I gingerly moved over to see what had become of their elder sister. We peeked in the side door of the carriage and there she was standing amid a mass of broken plates and cups surrounded by forks and spilled boxes of cereal and leaking cleaning fluids pooling towards her feet. We hit a pothole, she said sadly. I think Pups has had enough. But had he, though? Had he really? Sure, we'd had moments. The usual, sticking the wrong code into the sat-nav and wheeling straight through the entirety of Oregon when we wanted to still be in Washington. The biscuits I'd hidden in the picnic basket for a late-night pick-me-up when everyone knows bears love biscuits and biscuit-loving bears had indeed sniffed around the tent all night, thus precluding sleep. The time when I thought the five-year-old was with my husband and he thought the five-year-old was with me, but in fact she'd walked off two miles in her own direction after seeing a snake in the grass, all orange and white, zigzaggy. But of course, we would all do it again in a finger click. One month-long road trip, starting in the verdant mists of Seattle and ending on the boardwalks of Jackson Hole. Oh, how addicted we got to each other, all five of us living in an ever-moving space referring to no one but this crew, these people here, knowing every nuance of each other's faces and the exactitudes of their mood by a curling wisp of an eyebrow. No TV, no computer games, and instead of legs hurting or more pepper Pig, this, for example, as I carried my three-year-old in my arms, my feet echoing on the slats of a wooden bridge in Montana on a crisp blue sky day, the river rushing beneath us, around us a herd of horses where their palomino hides, and then an almost imperceptible wind which lifted her light squall of hair 
and her small voice whispering in my ear, Storm coming, Mama, storm coming. And she'd been right. I don't know if I'd resisted America for so long, because one of my earliest memories was of my brother doing exactly this, travelling across the States. Before he left, he stuck a map of it on the wall of my bedroom, and then, wherever he went, he'd send me a postcard, which I'd then join to the relevant geographical spot with a piece of string and a drawing pin. Except he'd fallen for it, fallen for the whole continent, hook, line and sinker, and he never came back. And now, here we were running through Montana's summer-coloured grasses and watching the mud sparrows flurry in the cool caves of the Blackfoot River, laughing at the presumptuously wondrous Grand Teton as its spines suddenly punched up among the yellow poppies of Wyoming's plains. And what was this? An elk with fuzzy chandelier horns on its head. A baby grizzly bear, like a ham-fisted detective, picking up and examining clues with its vast paw, investigating its way through the wood. But nothing as absurd as a buffalo, a woolly mammoth at this time of year, fur half on, half off, a kind of gargantuan Cruella de Vil on the most foolish of pigs' trotters. We became feral, primitive even very quickly. Yellowstone itself may be astonishingly grand in its scale and its proportion, the way the river is so silken and smooth and courses through the landscape, like a well-ordered army, but arrive at its campsites and you are surrounded by dirt-covered kids with no shoes, their hair upstanding like sticky beehives, their nighties, which they'd obviously worn all day, shrouded in dust. In other words, just like us. At one point, we had to break quickly to avoid a headlong collision when parking in one of the camps and the cold coffee percolator tipped all over the baby. Covered in brown goo and granules, she didn't make a squeak, we climbed out of the RV, vaguely disorientated, and straight into the arms of a lovely Mormon. He made us all hamburgers on an open fire before going back to his RV to check on his wife and new baby, their twelfth. Days passed in open-air simplicity. We rode horses, beautiful Apache Indian horses, with the raised plain of their noses like plinths. We herded cattle. We drove quad bikes alongside rushing rapids so furious that we laughed in the way people laugh when they feel like they're going to die. The five-year-old spent an entire day catching cabbage whites in a garden full of delphiniums. The nine-year-old liked to sit around the fire at night with other tentative friends and squeeze bulbous marshmallows between thick biscuits to roast on the flames as s'mores. And the baby wandered through the grasses, cupping her hands for crickets and housing her bounty under a special rock. One dusk, the girls and I sat on the porch, I was in a rocking chair, I'm not even joking, by a river watching a family of partridges flicking dust on themselves and laying in the shade of a pine. Suddenly, a hummingbird, tiny as a pebble, its chest a kind of neon yellow, whizzed past, being chased by another fellow, and then out of the darkness, fireflies. Fireflies! I shouted at my husband. Hurry! Just when you thought it couldn't get any better. He rushed out and paused. Nope, actually those are just flies, which happened to be in front of a fire. The Northwest USA is so dazzling we were in an ender state of heightened excitement. When we drove on our long journeys, the girls lying on the bed in the back of the RV, playing with little wooden coyotes and wolves we'd picked up at a roadside store, I would watch the window of America move past 
the landscape weaving like a thousand coloured threads of a song which would suddenly knot itself into a different tune. How quiet it seemed, how unexpectedly empty, how you wanted to run and then keep on running. We've talked about wanting to do another road trip. We've mentioned Chile or perhaps Vietnam. There's so much of the world to see. But to be honest, in our heart of hearts, I think all of us want to go back to America. We hope you enjoyed our Escape Routes podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe to help boost us in the charts and ensure you are the first to hear about new episodes.